that's that's you know Oregon is really a great homegrown story of remarkable enterprise. You know, I think everybody's feeling the stress of meeting the need. University of Oregon um, for political science and what do you do with political science degree? You start a business. There you go. Here we are. Hi, this is Dr. Bud Pierce and welcome to Oregon Crossroads. And you know what? It's Labor Day weekend and it's time for our students to go back to school. And times are very different this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the concern of public safety, safety of our teachers and foremost safety of our students. And again, this is, I think, an ideal time to think about real educational reform in Oregon, because for a long time, for a long time, anyone who's looked at this in a rational way and looked at it in an honest way have realized that in general, Oregon schools as a whole are very poorly performing in many cases and very uneven in the ability to educate our students. And poor education leads to a poor quality of life and a diminished society. And it seems that if you follow the political process of education, it's an intense battle about what the K through 12 budget is from the state. And then the money is fought over and then it's over until the next time we talk about budgeting. And what we're talking about for education reform really isn't about budgeting. We're talking about how do we get a better result? Now, when I ran for governor uh, in 2016, this was a very important topic. Scores of students were poor, they're getting poorer, if anything. And how do we really reform education? And I was doing a lot of reading because you like to figure out what have other states done the same situation. I've came across, and it's, I know I talked about this before, the educational reform in the state of Massachusetts. Now, Massachusetts has Harvard, MIT, Tech, uh, the zenith of medicine. You don't think about that as being a state where there's poor education, but they had terrible public education. Again, public education is what we agree that every child should have so that they have the potential to achieve their maximum potential in society. Well, Massachusetts was terrible. They had a terrible result. They had social studies was the only course they had to take, basically. And they, and they had some leaders that came together and said, how do we fix this? And I think it's instructive as we think about how we can improve the educational process in Oregon. Number one, they created an oversight board that was pretty separated from the political process. Politicians tend to appoint uh, the people that are involved with education who may or may not know a lot about education and who knows exactly why they're appointed. But here they were able to create a separation, a firewall that was pretty effective so they really had people that knew about education, were good educators and cared deeply about educating children. And they actually had the authority. They had the authority to remake the educational system. And they focused on a few areas. One was they wanted local accountability and control. And what that meant was you had a strong principal leader, usually someone who was a great teacher, who had leadership ability, who would have a lot of authority over the running of that school and who wouldn't turn over every two years, by the way. You got to to form a team, you gotta have some teamwork, they gotta be around. And they would be overseeing the teaching and the instruction that happened at that school. And it's very important to have the parents involved. So they would have a parent group involved with the leadership group of, with the principal and the teachers. And the reason that was so important is you gotta get buy-in from the parents. You know, when you talk about who does the best in education in America, 
who does it as a group, an ethnic group, a racial group, and I feel a little uncomfortable talking about that, but I will, because I think we need to be looked at as individuals, not a member of a class or group, but the Asians. The Asians Americans as a group, a minority, do by far the best in education, and by the way, make the most money if you want to tie it to that. And they have, in many cases, a cultural imperative that you will get educated and trained and you'll do good at school above all else. So again, that, that idea what Massachusetts is, we can't turn that and make that happen to every family. But if you get the parents really involved in a way in the functioning of the school beyond fundraising uh, and, uh, and beyond just being supportive in an emotional way, but a practical way, you can get buy-in and the parents that buy-in will be demanding on the educational system, but also demanding on their children. And you want that. You want demands. You want them to push your kids, just like we do in sports and we do in music and other areas. So that was number one. Number two, they, they want a better, better prepared teachers, better educated teachers. You can't educate if you're not educated. You got you to gotta know a lot. So the teachers that were in place were okay, but the new hires, a uh, high school chemistry teacher, you want a chemistry BA, a mathematics, you want a mathematics degree, uh, et cetera. You, you know, general education is good, but when you get into those higher areas, you need to have specialized training education and they would get paid more money and that's a good thing. The next thing they did was they, they created a variety of educational schools and opportunities within the public system. So you have academies, you might have a mass, math oriented, a science oriented, an arts oriented, a music oriented. So again, some variety within the educational process. So again, key things, because what you're talking about when you talk about equity, we use this word a lot, equity. If you really look at them, what it means is giving each student what they need to achieve their maximum potential. Not one size fits all. Government tends to say, we have a shoe and it's a size nine. If it fits your foot, good for you. And if your foot's bigger than a nine, it's not going to fit well. It's going to be very uncomfortable. And if, it's, if you have a size seven foot, it's not going to fit you in either. When you create a top-down educational system emanating from Washington, D.C. or Salem, and you say, this is the curriculum, this is the school, this is what everybody gets, one size fits all, that's what you get. You get, you get a, a poorly functioning product. We need lots more individuality and creativity. They had some basic cores of their curriculum, but the whole curriculum wasn't defined. So there was a core that people would have to achieve, but there was a lot of variety outside that core. So if you're a great musician, you spend time in music, great athlete, great mathematician, if you have a computer mind, whatever, you kind of you, you emphasize that and you support the student that because they're going to learn the other things that go along with that. So again, very, very important. And they tied money and finances to reform. So as the schools performed better, enacted these reforms, they got more funding. So you get a, it's a carrot and a stick approach. So again, we need education reform desperately. And that factors into our career technical. Because again, we know that some kids are after they, we need people to can fix things and make things and build things. Same thing, you have, you have schools that focus in on career technical, the same kind of idea, the same thing. So again, as we go forward in this next year, well, the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna get through the COVID and we're gonna have remote learning and online learning. And what you need in that situation, again, is this form of flexibility at the school level. Because if you have a school district in Lake Oswego and you have kids that are already uh, 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 tech savvy and that have all the access to the equipment and advanced internet uh, that they need, that's pretty easy. And if you have a, a school that's primarily serving and educating farm worker kids, 
you got to do a lot of different things with them. You got to provide technology. You have to innovate. You have to help the children in a way that that the Lake Oswego kids don't need. So again, this whole idea of innovation and control at the local level, funding control more at the local level, parental involvement at the local level, a better quality product at the local level, and then that little bit of competition within the local level so that people say, well, my school's better than your school, and I'm gonna prove it, and I'm gonna make it work harder. That's where we need to go with educational reform. And yes, the resources are important, and the more resources we have, the better off we can be. But again, without reform, resources will not get us there. So as the next, next school year come, goes forward, let's have everyone pitch in. It's an unusual time. If you have a, a neighbor, if there's a neighbor that is struggling with technology and you, and you have a good setup, maybe that kid can come over to your place and, and use some of your uh, uh, technology so that they can have a better education. Let's help one another, let's work together, but let's move forward to meaningful reform in our educational process. Thanks, and we'll be talking again soon.